Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. I want to quickly go through all the stages that we've gone through to get us to this place um, as we move on. Because this, this epistle has been written for us. It has been written in an order. And the more I look at it, the more I'm amazed at what the Apostle John actually did. Um, when we began this, we talked about the word of life. Remember that? That which we have seen and heard and touched, okay? <laughs> um, and the Apostle John began all of this by saying, what I'm about to tell you comes from first-hand knowledge. Amen? And remember that the next thing that he went on to was to say, listen, I know one thing is God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Then he went to describe what some of that darkness is when he started talking about sin. When he started talking about us uh, either not admitting to it, not acknowledging things as being sin. And we went through all of those things and he was saying, listen, you can't bring that kind of darkness into the light that God is. Amen? And so the next thing that he, he goes on to talk about is he said, listen, if you do sin, you do have an advocate with the Father. Alright, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we looked at that before. Now he's going to say, the next thing I want to talk to you about is how you stay out of sin. <laughs> okay? So we've gone through the, the fact that what he's saying comes from first-hand knowledge to the second thing that he said was you need to understand that you are dealing with a being of light. He is light. He is love. Amen? And he said the next thing you need to understand is that light doesn't tolerate any darkness. It, darkness cannot stand in that light. Are you all with me? And so we can't be bringing our darkness into the light because light will always expel darkness. And if you hang on to darkness, you get expelled with it. Alright? So we're, we're moving through this process now. And I really want you to get a hold of this. He's saying, alright, let's move on to the next thing. And he's now talking about his word. Because if you, don't get, if you don't see this, you might think it all sounds the same. And it really isn't. He is following, some, he's following a train of thought. And he's giving us things that are going to lead us to this is the victory that overcomes the world. Are you all with me? Okay? See, you can't have that without all of this. And so that's the reason why we're, we're, we're getting through this slowly. But, uh, you know, and we're dealing with it topically because he's dealing with sections of your life and sections of doctrine that you need to understand that if you put that in place in your life, your life will turn around. You will be like him in a sense. Okay, Not only uh, the Apostle John, but Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Because that is the most successful life that has ever lived. Alright? Alright. So we've now come to uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. And he, he said, and we looked at this last week. He said, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So he's saying, listen, there is a test that you can, you know, that you can apply to know how much you know him. How much of his word do you keep? Now how do I know he's talking about his word when he says the commandment? If you look to two verses down to verse 5, it will say he that says, but whoso keepeth his word. Alright, so we understand that his commandments and his word are the same thing. Alright, Old Testament understood commandments. We in the New Testament understand the word. In fact, he begins with the word of life. Do you understand? So we need to start making connections there that he's saying that word of life that I introduced you to right now, you need to understand that there is a written form of it that we need to follow. And it's only as we follow that word will the word, 
Okay, capital T, capital W. All right, be able to lead us and guide us into the things that we need to do and be in order to be successful, in order to be overcomers, in order for us to not be overcome by the world, which is a real problem. <laughs> okay, all right. So he's starting to give us some hints into how to get into this and what to watch out for. So we, we need to really keep all this in mind. And I've been going through this uh, very meticulously. Without getting boring, hopefully. <laughs> okay, um, We talked about last time that we, we are to follow the word. We are, to, we are to keep his commandments. But remember I said, not the letter of the law. Now that's brought out in Romans chapter 7 and verse 6. I just thought I'd need to bring that reference out to you. He, the apostle Paul is writing um, there and he says, Now we can really serve God, not in the old way by obeying the letter of the law. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But in the new way, by the Spirit. Amen? So we are now looking to the new way. See, the old way was very legalistic. Alright? The new way is very Spirit-led. The old way made you feel guilty about everything. The new way is there's a freedom there. Hallelujah. Amen? And so what, you know, God doesn't want you to do things out of guilt that, oh, uh, you know, I, I better do that because it's the right thing to do. God is saying, no, be led by what there, there is a right thing to do, just by be led by the Spirit in which way to go in those things, amen. And that's a real freedom, hallelujah, because you don't have to figure it out. He figures it out and he says, Do this, you go, Okay, we'll do that, hallelujah. And you know what? We all are dealing with that, you know. Even in my life, I'm constantly I start to think about things, and then God says, Stop thinking about things, let me lead you, amen. I mean, even the message that I'm bringing you today. You know, I have a tendency to want to memorize everything. And he said, can you stop doing that? These are cue cards. <laughs> okay? He said, let me speak through you. Let me direct you. Amen. And you know, I've done that. And I, you know, when, I have, when I'm without a brain, then, then I'll use my cue cards. But <laughs> let's move on. So, so this is a, a process, a gradual process, you understand. It's not something we say we have arrived. If you have arrived, you haven't. Okay, moving on. Uh, we looked at Hosea 4, 1, and, uh, excuse me, Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 last week, uh, talking about people that didn't have the word. Remember again, it, it says the way that we, know, that we know him is if we keep his commandments. And we saw in Hosea chapter 4, I won't go look at that today, I just want to remind you of it, that the people that didn't know his word, remember they were doing all sorts of bad things in verse 2. Okay? But today I want to go and look at something in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul talks about New Covenant believers, and we need to look at this as well. He said, This is not so severe as Hosea, mind you. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Remember, I to- I'm reading slow so you, do- you get this, okay? I can talk fast, but I need to read slow. All right. <laughs> I want you to get this, because remember I told you before, that if we don't know those verses, if we don't know that, then we'll think anybody that doesn't do what God is asking them to do is not saved. Because that's what a lot of people preach. Alright? No, no, no. There's people that are saved that, you know, really stink. Alright? <laughs> you don't... You, if, if Only God knows they're saved. Can I put it that way? To all the rest of us, it looks like they're going to hell. Okay? <laughs> they're not saved. <laughs> no way. But you know, the rebirth, when you get born again, it's a big thing. And a lot of people dismiss the miracle that takes place. Let me continue in 1 Corinthians 3. And he says in verse 2, he said, I, um, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, 
For until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Which means that he could have ministered some very powerful things to them. But because they weren't able to, to get a hold of those things. And I've noticed that you know, with Christians that are, let me just say, new Christians. Okay? It's very difficult for them to understand a lot of things. You know, I can say something to you and six scriptures will go off in your brain. I can say something to a new Christian and go, oh, that's a thing? <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, those are babes in Christ. Those are the ones that you need to explain things. And you know, when you see the little eyeballs go, say what? You, then you need to start backing it all up. And so if I remember doing that, it's because I've noticed some eyeballs go like this. So I'm thinking, okay, let me just deal with some of that very quickly and get back on track. Yeah? Okay. Verse 3, he says, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Did you see that? Do you understand mere men? He's saying like normal, natural people. Amen? Alright. A lot of commentators don't acknowledge that there are such things as carnal Christians. Alright, moving on. <coughs> that's, why they, that's why a lot of commentaries that teach on... Uh, the, uh, the epistles of John, the letters of John, get a lot of things wrong because of it. Because they don't understand that one concept. So they just talk about people that do the wrong thing and of course they're not saved. And they might say they're saved but they're not and blah, 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 blah. And they don't know there's a carnal Christian out there. Okay, stirring the pot. <laughs> Doing things to confuse everybody. Alright. Uh, remember I said, I want to just bring one more quote from last week. John MacArthur says that those who are truly enlightened... And no God are obedient to His word. So that the people, and remember again, the reason that I said that, and I wanted to bring that out, was because they understand that the word of God isn't there to cause them problems. Do you understand? It's not there to hinder them. It's there to bless them. It's there to protect them. It's there to heal them. It's there to prosper them. And we looked at all those verses last week. Remember in Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Light to my path. So there's direction. Psalm 119 verse 11. Your word is hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. There's protection against sin. And therefore a destructive life. Amen. And destruction that comes at the end of that life as well. And remember Joshua 1 and I said I could preach for weeks on this one. But this, this is a very powerful scripture. Okay, And it in fact actually ties in with what the Apostle John is saying. So what I want to do today a little bit with this, is I want to tie in what he said in verse 3, with what Joshua said in Joshua 1a. Remember again, he said, By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Alright, and in Joshua 1a, it says, that This book of the law, God is talking, remember, shall not depart from your mouth. Because Joshua was in a very bad place. Okay, he was basically surrounded. Uh, failure is not an option. It's, you know, it's one of those times. Failure is not an option. You fail, you die. You know what I'm trying to say? You don't just get an F on, the, on your card. You die. And so <laughs> he was in that kind of place. And look at what God says. It's interesting that God doesn't say, I'll come down and I'll take care of everything. Now he has done that. But in this instance, can I just say this as well? Depending on your maturity, that will depend on how God acts on your behalf. If you are a baby Christian, he'll come and basically do everything for you. As you grow up, he wants you to do a little bit more. He wants the Lord working with you. Not for you all the time. <laughs> okay? And so he needs you to grow up and start doing some things. Exercising your faith. 
Now it's really interesting that Corinthians talks about people that got so caught up in that that they became faith giants at the cost of love. Remember, and he said, even though I may move mountains, if I have no love, I'm nothing to God. All right. Okay, so we won't go there for the moment. Let's just get to faith first. All right. <laughs> so he, he, he says here, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He says, in other words, everything that comes out of your mouth should come from the word of God, not from fear. Not from what everybody says. Not from popular opinion. Not from the naysayers. <laughs> okay. Not even from all the legally qualified people who are only qualified to, to do what the world teaches them is possible. Not what the Bible says is possible. Do you get that? See, we need a re-education. We need to understand, okay, the world says here are limitations. The Bible says here is all the stuff that's limitless. Now, you got this problem when you come to the end of everything that the world says, there is a place after that. It's called the Word of God. It's called all things are possible to him that believes. The problem is we have put all our faith in natural things for so long, we don't know how to believe. Do you understand? So Joshua is being told, now listen, you need to get past all of the stuff that you've learned, all the stuff that in the natural is possible and impossible, and you need to move to a place where the Word of God says all things are possible. So he says, to begin with, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, does that mean that he didn't eat, he didn't sleep, he didn't have a social life? No, <laughs> okay? Meditating in the word day and night means you keep it in your heart and in your mind. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. You want me to prove it? I'll prove it. As soon as somebody says something nasty to you, oh boy, that now will carry. Yeah, you all now know, right? You remember that all day, all night. I mean, then the next day, the next week, the next month, years later, you still remember when they said that. But of course, you don't know how to meditate. You just did on the wrong thing. Are you all with me? We do it without realizing it. If you can hold a thought, I mean, I don't care how you do it. If you can hold it, if you can hold a grudge, <laughs> okay? if you remember the hurtful things people said, you know how to meditate. Can I say something else to you? How many of the good things do you remember? Isn't it funny how we forget the good things and we tend to hang on and anchor onto the bad? Change that. Decide not to think about the bad things and start focusing on the good things. Because it will produce good things in your life. And it will produce a better you as well. Instead of a bitter, twisted, you know. <laughs> okay. carnal Christian. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, let me just continue on here. Because again, I want to tie this back to, by this, we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Alright, the way that we know that we know God is the way we keep His commandments. The way everybody else knows that we know God is by the way we keep His commandments. And so in here, in, in, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, God is telling Joshua, keep my commandments. People will know that you are mine. And also, heaven will then be able to back that up. Do you know the problem that heaven has a lot of times is your mouth. Amen. Because Jesus is the high priest of our confession, our profession. 
Whatever we profess out of our mouth, that he, he is the high priest of that. So what is coming out of your mouth? You go, yeah, but the only words. Are you kidding me? You don't understand that God gave you something that was unique to Him. The ability to speak things from your heart. Amen. You can produce, you can speak words that I tell you, they're not just words. Those are the things that got you married. Got some divorced. But, okay, you know, it, it, no, I mean, it goes both ways, man. You know, those are the things that either developed a kid or, or sent him, you know, to in the wrong direction. It's the words that you speak. You don't realize how powerful those things are. They are not just words. They are containers. They contain love. They contain hate. They contain faith. They contain fear. And uh, your words are a mixture of a whole bunch of things. So you need to make sure that as you're speaking those things out, you need to understand that you are filling those containers called words and passing them on to somebody else that then swallows that word. And then they're filling their little container up with whatever you are pouring into them. Are you with me? So make sure that it's good stuff. Otherwise the only thing, when, they, when their cup runneth over, it'll runneth over on you. Okay? If it's good, it'll be good. If it ain't... (laughs) Amen. Anyway, moving on. All right. Okay. Move on, Pastor. Move on. Okay. All right. So he says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Notice he said you will make your way prosperous. By this we know that we know him. That we keep His commandments. I'm leading you to something here. Okay? Notice something that happens when you keep His commandments. You don't only know that you know Him, but you also see a change in your life. Success begins to come into it. Prosperity. And it, it says both those things. It says, he says, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now when we read in Psalm 1 uh, and verse 3, it also talks about prosper- prosperity as well. Alright, it also talks about meditation. Those are the two verses in the Bible that very specifically talk about meditation and meditating God's Word and the benefits that come from it. You know, if you get a chance, go and read those things. So anyway, I I need to preach on this today. So getting back to this, all of God's children should have these characteristics. So one of the things that the Apostle John is saying, listen man, people need to see you and be able to identify you because of these characteristics in your life. And these are the things that gain you access into God, uh, into God's throne room and into the place where God can bless you. Are you with me? Amen? Because God wants to bless you, but you need to get into line with His will. Alright. And remember again that His will is to bless you. Alright, then he goes into verse 4 and I want to talk about this. He says, He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments or his word, as we know from verse 5, is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, first of all, notice it does not say that God is not in him. Did you see that? It didn't say God wasn't in him. He just said his word is not in him. Alright, because people can belong to God and not have his word in them. Alright, okay, so you need to understand that as well. And this is very important. So, it's not, it's not referring to salvation here, which is our relationship with God, but our faithfulness and obedience to Him and His Word. Now, William Hendrickson writes, John does not imply that the Christian life consists of, listen, faultless obedience 
to the will of God. Did you get that? It doesn't consist of faultless obedience, which means you can't ever, ever, ever make a mistake. Y'all know you're going to make one probably before you leave. Okay? It may not be a big one, but any mistake is a mistake. Do you understand? Alright. <coughs> so understand, this is, John is not saying this. He's not talking about a faultless obedience to the will of God. But rather, that the Christian habitually, listen, desires to keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Did you get that? Habitually desires. It's a habit in you to want to do the right thing. People don't have to tell you. You don't have to say, now the word says. You might have to do that to begin with. But after a while, that's you now. It's not the word anymore. The word is a part of you. You are part of that. So you just do what you normally do. People will then say, oh, that's just like Andrew. Or that's just like Dan. You know, It'll be who you are now. In the beginning, it wasn't. You know, okay, might have been a long road to get to there. But I'll guarantee you, and that's, that's when people from your past, when they meet you, they go, wow, you've changed. You see, what they're seeing now is a new you. Your attitudes are different. Your thinking is different. The things that are going on in your life has changed. You know, because your words have changed, and your approach to life has changed. You're, you're in sync, so to speak, with God. And so, you know, things are just starting to work out. And for you, it has become normal. You know, sometimes I have to keep reminding myself that what is normal for me is almost a miracle and quote-unquote luck to everybody else. I just know where it comes from, you know? <laughs> and people say, yeah, you're just lucky. I, you know, I just want to say, sure, keep telling yourself that. I call it being blessed. Amen. You, you spin the wheel. I don't. Mine's stuck. On success, prosperity. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Alright. So, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> John is looking at the overall tenor of a person's life. Did you get that? So, it's taking a step back and seeing how a person is generally. Not, you know, not in this moment or that moment. But how are they generally, okay? And he goes on to say, If someone says he knows God, but does not keep his commandments, that then it is clear that he is not telling the truth. Obviously. Alright. In fact, Simon J. Kistemacher explains that the word liar describes the character of the man whose entire conduct is opposed to the truth. And according to Jesus, that does have consequences. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7 very quickly, verses 24 through 27. As I was looking at this, I thought, you know, we looked at some consequences before. I want to look at some others here as well. Jesus says, therefore, I'm in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, remember this is the word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Alright, so notice what he, how he, he likens a person that hears the word of God and, and does those things as a wise person. And he goes on to say, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. What do you see here? All the elements came against it. Alright, and regardless what, now notice that they did come against this house. What does this house represent? Your life. So this person built his life on the word. Can I say that? 
Okay? And his whole life is built on the word. And when, the, when destruction comes, when all sorts of adversity comes his way, he, the, his life stood. Do you know why? Because he had the word. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, then there's going to be no torrential rain, there's not going to be flood, because they don't know nothing. And the devil goes, they're stupid, I'm not going to attack them. Is what some people think. <laughs> okay? I, I know of people that have said, oh, I tried this stuff, and my goodness, you know, it just got so bad, I just decided I'm not going to do- go there anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, hello, now you put all your defenses down. Because look what it says about that person. All right. He says, but everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Notice, his house is being built. Both of them have their house being built. One is building it on a rock, the other one is building it but on sand. Okay. And he says, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And watch, it didn't just fall, great was its fall. You see, this is a problem that we see so much. People, you know, professor, you know, say, they say, well, I'm a Christian. But then they don't act like a Christian. Things go horribly wrong in their life. People look at them and go, I don't want to be a Christian if that's what Christians go through. If that's what a Christian life is like. And those people will say, yeah, God's testing me and trying me. That's where the testing and trying doctrine comes from. Building your house on sand. Hello. Because the ones that build it on a rock, they have a whole different testimony. They said the devil came and he left in pieces. <laughs> Regretted that visit he did. <laughs> okay. Hey man, you know what I'm trying to say? It should be that way. It shouldn't be, oh no, the devil scream, yell, and run in that direction. It should be the woo, the devil. Come on, baby. I need to, you know, my sword is getting a little dull. It's been a while since you've been here. Let me sharpen it on you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Anyway, all right. So while there was no difference in the attacks that came their way, the person who acted on the word of God more than survived, while the person who didn't suffered great loss. Okay, great was its fault. In other words, those that say they know God and don't keep his commandments will be shown to be liars just by the way their life turns out. Get it? Okay. Alright. But those who do keep his word will not only survive the storms of life, but it goes on to say, now in verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, depicting an ongoing obedience to God's word, truly the love of God, or the God kind of love, is to be exercised toward, that, that to be exercised towards believers, and God is perfected in him. Isn't that interesting? Something happens. As you keep His word, not only do your circumstances change, not only do we see you as a person that is not only in the truth, but has the truth in them. Okay, never mind. Alright, <laughs> okay. But also, something else goes on. The love of God is perfected in them. They start to walk a life of love. You know, you know what that means? That means that there is, there's less and less that the enemy can point to, to say, oh, you can't bless them because. The accuser of the brethren has less and less to accuse you of. The greatest of these is love. Remember that? 
Hallelujah. And in Corinthians it says what? Love conquers all. Amen. It never fails. Do you understand? So do you get this now? That you start to, as you move in His Word, you, the love of God begins to be perfected in you. You come to a place, now do you understand why they couldn't kill this apostle? Get it? See, of all the revelations, this one got this. He was called an apostle of love. And the one that was not martyred, could not be martyred. They tried. They just couldn't. You know, we would make an awesome movie today. Somebody would shoot him and the bullet would just fall off. Go, uh-huh, is that all you got? <laughs> okay? Back then it was swords and boiling oil and all that stuff. Regardless, listen to me. There's a protection that goes around you. See, because you're not going to heaven and say, God, I did everything you asked. How come I'm here early? <laughs> okay? That's never going to happen. Do you hear me? You will run your race. You will obtain your prize. Then you will go, God, I'm ready to come home. And you will not die sick. You will die. When you're ready to go home, you will just leave this mortal body and you'll be there. You'll just step from one room to another. Amen. That, that's the promise that we were given. Because remember Jesus said, I've got the keys of death and hell. Both of it. Death and hell. So neither of those things can attack you and win. Why? Because He's on the inside of you. Commenting on this verse, I have Marshall writes, The expression moves beyond the thought of obeying God's commands and includes the thought of receiving and believing His promises. If a person does this, he does not merely have the truth of God in him, but God's love is truly made complete, entire and mature in him. In other words, God love, God's love in us will have the opportunity to accomplish its aim and be brought to its final destination while we determine to keep His word. And only while we determine to keep His word. With the Apostle John concluding in verse 5 by saying, By this we know that we are in Him. In other words, the more we grow in the love of God, the more we can know that we are in Him that is, and, and know that we are born from above and headed there. Amen? Amen. And then he'll go on to say in verse 6, and we'll pick up here next week. He says, He who says he abides in Him ought himself also to walk just as He walked. In other words, He's saying, listen, let me tell you something else now. If you say that, so not only will your circumstances change, but if you say that the Word of God is in you, then you start walking. That means living your life based on this Word. And think about, think about the things that Jesus did now. Do you see this? Do you see where the power is? You, you get rid of all those things, unconfessed sin, all those things. You come to the place where you're keeping His Word, and you're walking in the light, and so on and so forth. That's what happens. You come to a place where the power of God begins to flow out of you. And then you will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. You start praying for things, and it will change. And don't be surprised when it does. I mean, be thrilled. But don't have a doubt surprise. Amen? Amen. Alright. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's conclude here for today. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all.